Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, February 2nd. Welcome back to the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander with me, and we got a lot to get to, including Kansas' win over Baylor. Norlander's uh, latest piece on Cincinnati and a preview of uh, Arizona, Oregon, Lonzo versus Markell, and other things happening on Saturday. But I wanted to start with you know, breaking news from Thursday night. Duke has announced that Mike Krzyzewski is going to return to the sideline on Saturday for the Blue Devils game against Pitt inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. So Coach K is going to go down as missing seven games, and he's back as scheduled. When they uh, announced that he was going to have back surgery, uh, I believe it was the week of uh, first week of January. I think they announced it on January 4th. Uh, he had surgery on January 6th. They said it would be four weeks. I wrote on that day that four weeks from then would be uh, February 3rd, so it was possible he'd be back February 4th for the Blue Devils game versus Pitt. I had heard in recent weeks that maybe he was a little behind schedule, but uh, regardless of where he was yesterday or two weeks ago, he is going to be back on the sideline two days from now on Saturday. You surprised he's coming back on time? No, I mean, I did not expect him back for this game. I thought he would for sure be back for the Carolina game next week. But this, listen, clearly Krzyzewski doesn't want his team to get got by Pitt, which almost took out Carolina. That's what this, let's let's dig below the noise here, GP. That's what this is really about. He doesn't want Duke going down at the hands of Pitt. So, uh, yeah, that's a late-breaking Thursday headline, and we are recording this actually on Thursday night. So getting him back is good. GP, what was Duke's record while Shashevsky was away? Four and three. So as we move forward here, just a quick spin, that is at a that is a decent sample size within a season. It's just over twenty percent of what the selection committee will evaluate. Um, and if Duke is able to really hit a run here, and let's say it only loses one more time the rest of the season. The committee will evaluate what Duke was without Krzyzewski and will take those losses into consideration. At most, that would mean a seed line, in my opinion. If Duke is kind of consistently what it's been, it gets kind of picked off here or there, then uh, his absence will have made really no impact whatsoever on what Duke winds up with on Selection Sunday. It's interesting because when this news breaks, immediately on Twitter, fans start jumping in and saying, oh, of course he's coming back for the pit game. Uh, last place team in the ACC. It's an easy win for Coach K. And it's like, listen, I, I, fans are fans. And God bless them because without him, we wouldn't have this podcast or our jobs. But um, folks are so cynical. Like when he announced that he was stepping away to have back surgery, it was because the team was struggling and he wasn't going to take these losses on his resume. When in the reality, the truth was his back was, was killing him and he needed to go have back surgery because he wasn't going to be able to go the whole year. And why is he coming back for the pit game? Because it's literally the game that he was unscheduled to come back with, uh, come back for four weeks ago. So it's just always interesting how people come up with these theories of, of, um, of motivation uh, for a man who's 69 years old coming off a of back surgery. But like it's actually far simpler than than people make some people make it out to be. Why did he have back surgery when he had it? Not because his team was struggling, because his back was hurting. Why is he coming back for this game? Not because Pitt's terrible. Because four weeks ago, they said this is the game he'll probably come back for. Why do you think folks are so wired to do that? Because it's Duke and it's Krzyzewski and they and they love to hate. And usually in general, it's just it's easier to be cynical than it is to be sincere. I mean, that's my short answer on that. We'll be interested to see what Duke is going forward. They, they obviously have 
hit a nice rebound here, barely escaping against Wake, um, was, you know, in my opinion, necessary to kind of keeping them uh, afloat, so to speak. And then they are able to get the road win against Notre Dame. So to have two straight road wins, now they get three at home. The tough of them, toughest of those three is the sandwich game, Carolina, next Thursday. So let's look back to Wednesday night because there was a big game in the Big 12 uh, between Kansas and Baylor. They came in with identical Big 12 records. Um, and like uh, not identical in the win column, but identical in terms of the win number of wins and the loss, and identical in the sense that both losses, Kansas's and Baylor's, uh, had come at West Virginia by wide margins. And so uh, it was set up, a big-time matchup, national television. Both teams ranked in the top five, and then Kansas did what Kansas always does inside Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas won the game. Um, and it was, you know, I was sort of watching it on social media, and people started making the normal nonsensical Baylor jokes, but also like handing the Big 12 title to Kansas. Like, well, that does it. It's going to be 13 straight. Um, Whereas really last night, all Kansas did was hold serve. You know, if that game would have been in Waco, Baylor would have probably won the game. You know, Baylor traded punches with them back and forth, back and forth for 40 minutes. So one possession game literally in the final seconds. I know that Baylor lost and Kansas won. And this sentence is hilarious um, and also true. Uh, it is now official. Scott Drew has more losses inside Allen Fieldhouse than Bill, Bill Self. Uh, Scott's now got 10 all-time, never won there. And Bill has nine all-time. Uh, he barely loses there. Um, but I came away of that even more sure, away from that, even more sure than I, of Baylor than I was before. In other words, people are just skeptical of Baylor in general. Perhaps it's because of the history it's not a blue blood. Perhaps it's because of Scott. Perhaps it's because you look at the roster and they don't blow you away in terms of NBA talent. Um, but uh, that team has now played through February 1st, and they've beaten everybody they played except West Virginia and Kansas. And while they got demolished at West Virginia, there's no denying that, they went toe-to-toe with Kansas last night. And I don't think you should walk away from last night's game at Allen Fieldhouse thinking the league race is over. You can walk away from it thinking Kansas is probably going to win another a Big 12 title. But if anything, that made me think that Baylor is a legitimate challenger to them. And that game in Waco is going to be terrific. Right. I mean, the rule of self applies here. We're not going to predict Kansas not to win the Big 12 till it actually doesn't happen. But I'm with you 100% on this. Baylor did actually have me doubting in the final two minutes whether it was going to lose that game. And in fact, Kansas played tremendous pressure defense in the final two possessions, 30 seconds of that game. I think the crowd had some impact on that. Baylor was really, really threatening there. And listen, credit to um, the way that Kansas was able to consistently uh, be ready for what Baylor was going to throw at him because it looked like Baylor might have a chance to to pick it off or get it to OT. Didn't happen. Baylor still has a chance at a number one seed with this. Now it's going to have to win the Big 12 in order to do that, and it's going to be a tall task. But this loss, without a doubt, I mean, if they played the way that they played last night against Kansas, but that game happened to be in Waco, I think Baylor wins it. So now we wait on the return game. That happens in 17, 16 days. They play Saturday, February 18th at Waco, or I should say in Waco at Baylor. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see where we go from there. With Kansas overall, Josh Jackson continues to impress. Frank Mason looks awesome. The team looks pretty strong, and let's remember they are not at full strength. They don't have Bragg available. They don't have Azubuki for the rest of the season. And we don't have to get too deep in this if you don't want to, GP. But the other subtext was, and I had to write on this way late on Wednesday night, but you've got this LeGerald Vick situation that 
we really don't know from a public perspective what has or has not happened with LeGerald Vick. And he was uh, accused of a, of a domestic crime and basically uh, punching a woman twice in the arm, kicking her in the face allegedly. And from that, you know, a board that's, un, that's not attached to Kansas Athletics had recommended that Vick go on two years probation. Well, what does probation mean? Is he even on it? Bill Self is not commenting on it directly because uh, due to student privacy laws in Title IX, you are not allowed to discuss these kind of things regarding student uh, student athletes and students in general. So it, it's it works often as a cop out for coaches, but there is there are legitimate reasons for student privacy laws. But in this case, it just happens to be an opportunity for the media to rightfully question what's going on with Vic. If the charges are legitimate, has he faced any sort of punishment? Because as we have said on this podcast before. I don't consider Bill Self to be someone that would mess around with this kind of stuff, uh, especially not in the modern age. And he was very quick to suspend Bragg previously. And at any point when you have a player that gets suspended, for almost any reason, the university will publicly acknowledge that in the means of a short statement. And it doesn't have to give reasons for the suspension, but it does. We never got that with Vic. And so now we've got a situation here where Self made a quick read from a written statement last night. And frankly, uh, he didn't look like himself when he was reading it. He looked a little nervous, I'll be honest. And I'm not saying that he was. It just clearly was something that he knew that he was going to have to address, and it's an uncomfortable situation. But this is now part of the backdrop on Kansas. It's a really good team on the on the court. But between the Bragg stuff and, you know, he's under an indefinite suspension because police found, you know, drug paraphernalia and he's working on what essentially amounts to a, a plea deal that will get the charge dropped. And then you've got the Vic stuff, who he's still playing. Right. So so there's just we're right to question what's happening there. Um, and Kansas has certainly become an interesting story, if not just for basketball reasons. I uh, like listen, I, I think I'm no different than most people in the media. Like I like Bill Self. He's a approachable guy. He's a down to earth guy. He's a fun guy. I, I didn't think that was a good look for him uh, last night after that game. I, I understand he is limited in what he can say about a, a university investigation. Like I understand student privacy laws, but you're exactly right. People use that as a cop out all the time. And I'm not saying that's what Bill did here. I'm sure he was under orders from the administration. But here's the truth. Um, you don't have to talk about student, you know, university investigations to talk about LeGerald Vick if you want to. Like, what if somebody would have asked the question? And I know he said, I'm not going to ask the question. I'm not going to answer questions. But, you know, cameras were rolling. You could have put him in a tough spot on television right. if you wanted to. Somebody could have said, do you think LeGerald Vick hit a woman? Do you believe LeGerald Vick hit a woman? We're not talking about the investigation. I want to know what you believe. What do you think? Are you operating under the impression that he did, that he hit a woman multiple times, that he kicked a woman multiple times? And if, if you don't, then that's interesting. We'll write that down. If you do, then why is he on your basketball team? Like, that's got nothing to do with the university investigation. And the idea that um, nobody asked him that was, I don't want to say disappointing because I don't want to come off like everybody in the room failed society, but like... Um, I, I, you know, sometimes I, I have personally done that before. Somebody says, I'm not going to answer questions. Well, that doesn't keep me from asking them and, and asking right. them on tape so that you, you, we've got that visual of you avoiding my question. I've done that before to, to coaches, to players, to people. Um, so, but I'm not saying I'm not holding anybody to a certain standard, like whatever. But like, I wonder what would have happened if somebody said, forget the university investigation. I don't need your comment on that. I want to know, do you think LeGerald Vick hit a woman? Because um, nobody's come out and said he didn't, and they could say that if they wanted to. 
that Gerald Vick could stand up and say, I didn't do anything wrong if he wanted to. But nobody said that, and sometimes silence uh, tells a story in and of itself. Yeah, I agree. We'll see where we go from here with this, because uh, the story I don't think is, is complete. And at some point, I think we will hear from Vic or Self. Remember, this is a team that's capable of winning a national championship this year. And we'll see when Bragg is able to come back as well. And if there are any more issues that uh, crop up with Kansas, what you know, what happens there? Uh, let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports uh, events and, and concerts has always been a confusing process. Um, and none of the... Uh, ticket sites that have been available for years and years and years seem to very interested in, in fixing that. But SeatGeek is, is different. What they've done there is they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. So next time you're getting ready to go to a, a basketball game, a football game, uh, this summer, a baseball game, doesn't matter. Going to a concert, doesn't matter. Go to SeatGeek. Make sure you go there first. And here's why. Because if you use the other ticket sites, you don't ever know if you're getting ripped off, am I really getting the best deal? Should I have gone to this one instead of that one? SeatGeek is going to handle all the price comparison for you. They search multiple ticket sites for you to ensure you get the best possible deal. So they do all the work and you get to save time and money. So here's what I want you to do. Go download the SeatGeek app and then just remember, next time you're going to go to a concert, sporting event, doesn't matter, use SeatGeek. And then if you use the College BB promo code, that's College BB you're going to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So get on it. Download the app, purchase tickets, use the promo code COLLEGEBB, and SeatGeek's going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, promo code COLLEGEBB. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. So earlier today, Norlander, you wrote a column about Cincinnati, and you sent me a text message and said, do not read this yet because I want to ask you questions about it before you actually read it. So... I'm a big fan of your work. I like to read everything as soon as you tweet it. I did not read this. I followed your orders. What is it you were going to ask me? All right. So if anyone that's listening hasn't read the piece yet either, you can kind of play along for a, for a minute here as we do a quick uh, edition of trivia on the podcast here. I would say Friday trivia. It is the Friday uh, podcast where we were actually recording on Thursday night. So, GP, on your, on your son's life, you have not read the piece. Swear to God. Okay. So um, since 1992, the past 25 seasons, not including this one, there have been, obviously, 25 NCAA tournaments. In that time, there have been 11 teams that have made the tournament at least 20 of those 25 seasons. Quite obviously, Cincinnati is one of the 11. That's why I wrote, uh, in part, why I wrote the piece. But can you name me the other 10 teams? And I'm wondering, and we can kind of you know, fire them off the top of your head. I'm wondering how many guesses it will take for you to get the other 10. Okay, Duke. Yes. Michigan State. Yes. North Carolina. Yes. Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina. Okay, that's uh, those three. Um, Gonzaga? No. They just don't, they don't have enough years? They didn't, they weren't, the, the early part of the 90s, they didn't get there. Okay. That's a failure then. Um, Arizona? <laughs> Arizona's correct. Um, let me, let me call up a list of teams so I can just like look at list. Um, okay. Louisville? Correct. You're halfway home. Five out of ten. Syracuse. Incorrect. Damn it. Um, all right. I'm through with that league. Let's go to this league. Kansas. Correct. Uh, I think that's... Oh, that's six. That's six. Texas? Yes. Okay. Seven. Uh... I want to say Villanova, but I don't think it's right. 
That's not right. Okay. Wisconsin. That is correct. You are at eight. You have two more to go. That's a good call there. Did I say Michigan State already? You did. Can I say them again? <laughs> you can, but it's not going to make you It's get from eight to nine. Kentu- eight out of ten guests. Ken- yes. Ken- Kentucky. Yes. Nine for 11. Can you go 10 for 12 right now? Is it Florida? It is not. Okay. It's not going to be another Pac-12 school. I don't believe so. Um, yeah, people listening right now are screaming this final school, I bet. Okay. I'm, uh, does it have to be outside of the power structure? Oh, Connecticut! Incorrect. Damn it! Give you a couple more guesses, then I'll give it to you. But you should be able to get this school, GP. Is there another school? Um, all right, let me look through again. Listeners, do you have it? I know some people do. Some people are like, this is probably it. Okay, that is, it's not an ACC school. Is that right? It, that is right. It's not an ACC okay, school. Okay, now I'm going to look at the Big 12. No, I've already said Kansas. It's not them. It's not them. It's not them. It's not them. Not them. Not, it's not a Big 12 school. It is not. Okay. Um, now we're going to go to the Big Ten. I've already said Wisconsin, right? You have. Did we say Maryland? Didn't say Maryland. Is it Maryland? It is not Maryland. Damn it. You tricked me. <laughs> um, it's not Indiana because they went through too many bad years. And, and, in fact, Indiana is only one shy. They've been to 19 of the past 25. Okay. It's nobody else there, I don't think. Ohio State. not. Okay. Um, so now we're in SEC. We've already said Kentucky. You, did we already say Florida? You guessed Florida, and that was incorrect. It's nobody else there. I'm right. No SEC school, right? You're correct. Okay. Let's go to the Big East. Is it Xavier? It is not, but they are close. It's a good guess. In fact, I might have guessed that, too, if I didn't know the answer. Nobody else there. It's not a Big East school, right? It is not. Well, what other leagues are there? Pac-12? It's Pac-12, perhaps, yes. Is it Utah? No, no dude, but you're, you're halfway there with that answer. Is it you? You? UCLA? Yes, you did not say UCLA. I wouldn't have thought it was UCLA. Really? Yeah, no, they did. They did it. Now, I think they lost one or two because of uh, vacation, but yeah. Right. Yeah, they uh, they are they are. Wow. Okay. So yeah, they are the uh, they are the team. But uh, that was fun. I dig that. Um, I but the thing is, like, you wouldn't have considered Cincinnati in that group, right? So Cincinnati's now twenty and two. And I talked with Mick Cronin and uh, about the team to a certain extent, and I, I think I might have something on this team in general uh, next week. But in kind of researching out what Cincinnati's been, GP, it's pretty surprising to a lot of people that, at least I think it would be, um, this program really has a claim to being a top 20 program. And I mean that currently and historically because – it's top 20 in all-time NCAA tournament appearances. It's top 20 in all-time victories. It's only one of 11 teams to make the tournament 20 of the 20, past 25 seasons. It consistently gets to the tournament, finishes 
in relatively well standing within its league, and yet we don't consider Cincinnati uh, a top 20 program. I don't think that's its reputation. Well, why is that? Well, the piece, and I, I thought it was, you know, if I don't mind so saying myself, I thought it was uh, pretty well researched, and, and Corona gave some, uh, some good perspective on it as well. Here's why we don't consider Cincinnati a better program. One, they have not gotten to a Final Four since 92. Uh, you know, not even, you know, in Devin Downey's shout out to Devin Downey and his brief layover in Cincinnati. Could God. he bring Bearcats to the final four? That's surprising to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's one of the great injustices. I'll be I'll be honest. How with did you. Devin Downey so, not get Cincinnati to the final four? That seems ridiculous. It, it actually you know, it does. Seem, you know, how people, it seems ridiculous, yeah. you know, people look back and they're like, how did John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins not get to a final four? Or like, how did um, what was it? Shaquille O'Neal. And who did he play with? Stanley Roberts. Is that true? Yeah, it was like how did Jackson, how, how did, Jackson, yeah. yeah how did how did that group not get to a Final Four? Same deal. Look back at Devin Downey, Cincinnati. How did they not make a Final Four? Mystery forever. Exactly. And so not only have they not made a Final Four since '92, they haven't been to the Elite Eight this century, and they've only been to the Sweet Sixteen twice in the past, you know, sixteen or seventeen tournaments. So because they haven't had success in March, and we put so much stock into the tournament, that's one part of it. The other part of it is they almost never get highly sought after recruits. They don't have stars that were attracted to. Lance Stevenson was obviously there, but prior to that, Demar Johnson in like 1999 was really their last true blue chip recruit. And so because of that, when you don't have star players and you lose uh, what was a star coach in Huggins, and he's been gone for so long now, the storylines and reasons to get people excited about your team in the preseason and the early part of the season just isn't there because we're not as drawn to, to talk about you if you're not a preseason top 10 team and you don't have uh, projected future pros. Cincinnati has dodged that. And then to me, the most underrated element, part of it's Cincinnati, the way they play, I get that totally. And they don't have stars and it kind of goes together with that. But the other part of this GP, do you realize that dating back to you know 1945 or so when Cincinnati started to become like a good program, relatively speaking, they have made 10 moves inside and outside conferences, some of them going to independence, leaving independence. There is no program that would be even considered top 30 quality that's even remotely close to that. Now, conference realignment happens, I think, more regularly than people realize. If you really look over the history of of college sports, teams hop in and out here and there with relative frequency, but no team has been as erratic because they were in CUSA, and then they hopped to the Big East, and then the Big East splinter. Now they're in the American. But remember, as you know, the, they were in the Metro, and then the Great Midwest. And prior to that, they were once a Missouri Valley school. They were yep. once in the MAC. And so, because Cincinnati has never been truly linked by identity to a league, I also think that it hurts it because UConn and Syracuse and Villanova—they were Big East teams, and Duke and Carolina—they were in the ACC. And UCLA and Arizona have always been in the Pac-12, and Kansas has always been in the Big 12 and the Big Eight. So all of these things, I think, combine. To people, for people not to really appreciate what Cincinnati is, and they're twenty and two, they're good again. This is probably going to be the best team Cronin's had, and they should get the best seed under him that they've ever had. This could be final of the year, maybe if they can get to the second weekend, maybe flirt with an elite eight where people start to really take stock of what he's done and give credence to how good the program is. No, and that win that they got on Wednesday night was impressive. Not because they beat Tulsa, whatever. They were a ten point favorite and they barely won, but they didn't play well. They they shot they they were down nine nothing to start the game. They were shooting in the you know low thirty percent percentile uh you know like for the first half and they just kept chipping away chipping away and then it's like Troy Copain three-point play get the uh get the ball back Troy Copain uh pull up jumper game over let's get out of here like it was just tough you know just a tough yeah sort of the type of win that you know Mick Cronin loves and I've talked to Mick about this before you know when he 
he inherited a mess at Cincinnati, and they had nothing. And it took him a little while to get it going. You know, it was like missed the tournament, CBI, missed the tournament, NIT. He was very much on the hot seat. Like if his uh, one, two, three, four, if his fifth year doesn't result in an NCAA tournament, that might have been it. Like, that really might have been it. And instead, they go to the NCAA tournament, won 26 games, and they haven't missed it since. They've been to six straight NCAA tournaments on their way to the seventh. And he's developed into uh, a man who's running a program that is one of the more reliable winners in college basketball. We tend to to use that label on, uh, you know, Wisconsin and, and, and Michigan State. And I get it because they've had a higher level of success. Uh, but when you're talking about the reliable winners in college basketball, you know, Notre Dame seems to be on that list. Uh, Cincinnati under Mick Cronin is one of those. Um, he's he's really stabilized things and I think coached his way completely out of the shadow of Bob Huggins. Maybe that's taking it too far. Perhaps Huggs will always cast a large shadow, both literally and figuratively. But um, Mick's, Mick's turned that program into his own and he's gone from a hot seat coach to somebody who, you know, they did everything they could to keep him from going to UNLV. Uh, last offseason. Let's look ahead a little bit to Saturday because the biggest game on the schedule is, do you agree, Arizona-Oregon? I don't Oregon. know what you're going to say here. There's a few here. Or is Arizona-Oregon? Yeah, I, I probably would agree because we got a pretty loaded Saturday, but Arizona going to Oregon could ultimately decide the Pac-12 because these teams are the two best, at least they look like it right now to me, and this is the only scheduled regular season meeting between the teams. So uh, Oregon gets this game on its home floor. What time is that tip, GP? Do you know? I think it's 3 Eastern. Oh, it is. Okay. No, I, I wonder. Three, if... 3 Central, 4 Eastern. That's good because I, I thought this was an early one. So it's it's cool to get uh, such a, a premier uh, Pac-12 league game that doesn't tip at 10 or 11 at night or even 9 o'clock at night. So that's going to be smack dab in the middle of the afternoon. It's going to be a really, really good college basketball Saturday. I actually think we've had uh, a few of them that have been nice. This could be the, just the most stacked and most loaded because now we're entering a situation. A lot of teams you know, floating near on the bubble. These wins seem to take on more meaning and there's just more of a magnifying glass on it. Arizona-Oregon, probably the most anticipated game of the weekend for me. And there are a few of them, but... We don't have a line yet. Um, I just brought up Ken Palm, so it's got Oregon as a three-point winner projected. Oh, boy. Um, I happen to think that Arizona might be – actually, let me ask this to you, GP, before we kind of wrap up with weekend stuff. Um, and we can touch on Gonzaga real quick here because they're going to play th- – we're recording this before Gonzaga's road game at BYU. So people listening have the uh, – that on Friday, they can have the knowledge of, of knowing the outcome of the game before we do. But right now, GP – who is the best team in college basketball, in your opinion? Because I think this is the unanswerable question right now. I, to me, there's no – I don't even think that you can make a strong case that can't be stripped down by other teams. But who would – do you have a definitive answer? And if it if it is, who is well, it? Because Kansas barely beat Baylor on its home floor if you want to say Jayhawks. Right. Well, listen, Baylor has, I think, nine top 50 Ken Palm wins. And the lone losses are true road losses to elite teams. West Virginia, Kansas. Like, that's a great resume. They're absolutely in play. If you were if you were building a bracket the day, I would have Baylor as a number one seed. Uh, Gonzaga's undefeated. And I had somebody today say, uh, really? You know, look at who Kansas has beaten. Kansas has beaten Duke. Kansas has beaten uh, Baylor. Kansas has beaten Kentucky. And that is true. Those are three great wins. Um, three top 25 wins. Guess who else has three top 25 wins? Gonzaga. And yeah. guess what they don't have? A neutral court loss to Indiana or anybody else. So 
uh, I I don't know who the like uh, two different. Questions. I don't know who the best is. No, no it, there, there's no clear cut answer. I, I'll answer this three different ways. Who deserves to be number one in the country right now? I think the answer to that question is Gonzaga. Granted, if they haven't lost by the time people are listening, the and I do I do think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be really close tonight against BYU. You think they're going to win too? Yeah, I think they'll win again. Um, but like you know, it's a it's a true road game in a place that is uh, historically tough to win at. Like it, it wouldn't be the craziest thing if they lost, but I would suspect that they would be able to handle that. We'll see. And uh, again, we're recording this uh, Thursday, like late afternoon, early evening. So uh, the Gonzaga game is still hours from tipping off. Um, who deserves to be ranked number one in the country? I'd say Gonzaga. Who's the best team in the country right now? Like I'd take them over anybody else on a neutral court. I might say Arizona. I think I'd say it too. And then, if, really and then, do. and then, and then, if, if the if the question was, who do you think is going to win the national title? I might take an di- entirely different team. Like I might go with Kentucky, you know, just because I think their ceilings higher than most other people's ceilings. I like Kansas, but like they're really thin up front, really thin up front. And um, you know, it hasn't cost them yet, but you could certainly see how it might in a certain situation. I agree. So, well, I, I set that up up for you to say. Arizona's on the road against Oregon. To me, Arizona, I would put in a top three situation right now for best team in the country at the very worst. If they win at Oregon on Saturday, they've got Thursday night, they've got Oregon State. Arizona should be able to handle that. Oregon State's just terrible this year. If they beat the Ducks, they will be 22-2. and two. They will be fully healthy. Their two wins are both legitimate. Two losses are both legitimate losses against Butler and against Gonzaga. They will definitely have a case. Um... I don't have the guts to do it, though. I, I do think Oregon will hold on its home floor. Hope it's a really nice game, though. Uh, it's pretty cool that we've got a game in the Pac-12. We just wouldn't expect this, GP, three weeks ago. Like, we knew this would be an interesting game, don't get me wrong, but Arizona wasn't expected to be this good, and we thought that UCLA would be, you know, definitively the number one team in the league. That's not the case. So it's, it's cool that we have this uh, marquee game for the league on Saturday. I'm taking Arizona. Are you you taking them because you like them to win or just so you can do you saying straight up? Just so I can say straight up. Okay. I just wanted to say straight up. And this seems like the best opportunity. I mean, can we real quick here? I know we got to wrap up real quick. So I I want to, I want to, let's stay in the Pac-12 for just a moment. Okay. Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, who gets the better of that one on Saturday? Because they're playing each other. It's yeah. It, to me, it's the most anticipated head-to-head matchup in the country. I'd actually be interested to see how many scouts are going to be in the building that night because it's a garbage game. Um, oh, that's at Washington. That's actually a super late tip on Saturday. Uh, I think Markel Fultz will have a better game from an individual standpoint than Lonzo Ball. I think that's probably true, but but Lonzo Ball's team wins by twenty. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> oh God, it's going to be it's going to be terrible. But yeah, that's that's the nightcap, and for the NBA diehards that are interested in those guys, without a doubt. What else you want to hit on Saturday, real quick? Because there's a, there's a number of good ones here. Kentucky's with, at Florida. Yeah, Kentucky, not, and it's going to come down like is De'Aaron Fox going to be able to play? I assume that he is. But like without him, they they're not winning at Florida. They might lose with him at Florida, but they ain't winning without him at Florida. Uh, I would agree. Um, Give me Florida. Oh, gosh. If he's on the floor, give me Kentucky. If he's not, give me Florida. You want Florida? Go ahead and say it. <laughs> Straight <laughs> up. Um, okay. Real, let me just let me fire these off. Uh, Purdue at Maryland. Huge game for Maryland. We talked about it earlier in the week. Biggie Swanigan 
uh, is right there with Ethan Happ for player of the year in the Big Ten. Maryland's got to prove it and get a home win against an elite team. Give me, give me Maryland. GP, it, who are you taking? I think Maryland wins that game, and then I think Maryland starts to get the respect that it uh, uh, probably uh, deserved several weeks ago. They are sitting here at 20-2. and two. We've went through their resume and tried to explain why it is um, they're not – you know, considered a Final Four candidate. They don't have that signature win yet. They don't even have a win over a ranked team yet, but they I think they will get one on Saturday uh, when they play Purdue. Let me ask you a question real quick about Swanigan. Okay. I had to turn into mock draft earlier today. I put him, like, in at 30th. Like, like why can he not play in the NBA? Like, and, and if he can't, how often do we see somebody produce like that for a winning team at the Power 5 level and just not be able to make it in the NBA? Right, I think Swanick is going to be helped by the fact that he actually steps out a couple times a game. He's and, shooting, yes, he's shooting fifty percent from three right. point range, right? And I don't like that's going to help his overall skill set. The reason why, and I'm totally with you because when I watch Swanick play, like he's a beast, not super athletic, has definitely has room to grow in terms of what he does on defense, the defensive end, his lateral, uh, his lateral movement with his feet, his 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 ability to switch screens. But to me, when I watch Biggie, that is a first round pick. But I, I do wonder if he's going to have this just beastly statistical year, okay? And Purdue's going to do what it's going to do. Let's just say Purdue wins one, loses one in the tournament, whatever, right? And then he's going to get tested, and it's just going to become this thing where people are going to look at him as an athlete and kind of discount what he did. I think that's inevitable. To me, he is someone I would take a top 25 pick on, but I can totally see a situation where he falls. This happened, different kind of player, without a doubt, but Malcolm Brogdon was super productive for a long time in college. Dude, he's like a top three rookie in the NBA this year, yep. and anyone that watched college basketball saw that Brogdon was good merely beyond playing in Tony Bennett's system, and now you see him, dude, he's legit. He is fantastic this season. I'm not saying Swanigan would necessarily be that in his first year in the NBA, but we just we always have a guy or two in every draft who, who proves himself to be a, a legitimate college player on a number of fronts, and then for whatever reason, because they don't clear certain bars, which are there also for somewhat legitimate reasons, because sometimes those people that aren't that good in college will clear those bars in testing and, and tryouts, and that's why they exceed in the NBA. I just I can see that with Swanigan. Well, like um, you know, Ron Baker is playing like real minutes for the New York Knicks, and it, it, it's sort of a reminder or perhaps a lesson, like maybe just being a really awesome college basketball player is good enough to play in the NBA. I understand there are exceptions to that, but so often we like, you know, well, he's not athletic enough. He's not tall enough for his position. He's not this or that. But the guy was awesome for for four years in college. So, So maybe, just maybe, he'll be able to play in the NBA as well. Because Brogdon has been terrific. Baker is playing real minutes. And uh, neither of those guys were were thought to have the careers that they're having right now. Literally nobody in the NBA anticipated that back when it was draft time. I agree. All right, real quick. Virginia hasn't played Syracuse since it blew that lead in the Elite Eight last season. It goes to Syracuse at noon on Sunday. Syracuse winning that game would give itself somewhat of a decent NCAA tournament resume. The Orange need it. Virginia probably needs it to have a chance at a number one seed down the road, I would think. They can get that. That's an interesting way to kick off Saturday. Creighton's looking good. Xavier plays at Creighton. Xavier... They don't need it, but just an interesting Big East game there. And Notre Dame at North Carolina is one. And then Wichita State and Illinois State. Wichita State hosts. That's for, you know, if Wichita State, they're going to be interesting. If they don't win that game, GP, even though the Shockers are highly rated by Ken Palm, they probably don't have a case for an at-large if they get swept by Illinois State. So that's a big-time game down uh, for Greg Marshall's team in Kansas. And remember, Illinois State going to come in 
uh, shorthanded. So, yes. so Wichita ought to be able to handle that, but we will see. Remember, uh, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That is the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again on Sunday night. Until uh, then, take care.